Before we start the show, I want to tell you about Serve HQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is essential to successfully accomplishing your mission. But if you're like most leaders, you also know how tricky it is, how complex it is to actually be able to onboard and equip people for your team. What if there was a resource that made it easier? I'd love to recommend to you Serve HQ. Serve HQ is simple video training courses that help you equip volunteers and develop leaders. You can create your own training or use their video library. You can even automate next steps to onboard new people quickly, efficiently, and with ease. Check it out at servehq.church and the link is in the show notes. Servehq.church. So I just want to make a pitch for if we could have, know why we're doing what we're doing, if our hearts could be one, and oneness doesn't mean sameness, it means to say you do your game with humility and conviction, Joanna, Uh, we'll have our other friends do theirs, I'll play my little piece, it's a symphony, not a bunch of soloists, Uh, and then we're not going to point bony fingers at each other just because we have a different part to play in there. I'd keep that in the thought bubble. You might think, I'll be like, I wonder why they're doing that. And just assume, I bet the answer is that God's got them on a different adventure than I'm on right now. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season nine, episode 12. Very pumped to have on the podcast today, Bob Goff. He is a self-proclaimed recovering lawyer, an honorary consul to Uganda, a speaker, a best-selling author, and as he calls himself, chief balloon inflator. If you've read any of his books, you might know that reference. So thanks so much to our sponsors who are making this conversation with Bob Goff possible to get into your ears and in front of you if you're watching on YouTube. Thanks so much, SurveyHQ, where you can train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy with SurveyHQ. Compassion Canada, where they're lifting children from poverty and hunger in Jesus' name. And Scripture Untangled, which is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. More on them later. But hey, if you haven't already, find us on our YouTube channel for tutorials, a ton of back catalog of resources, that are free to help you. Tons of conversations with all kinds of amazing, inspiring leaders and authors. Maybe you know some of them and you're going to discover some new ones there on the YouTube channel. So hit subscribe so you uh, make sure to follow along with the journey there. Also, let me tell you a little bit about Bob Goff before we get started. If you don't know him, as we've said, he is a recovering lawyer, but more than that, he practiced law for over 25 years before becoming the honorary consul to Uganda. And then he gave up his law firm to pursue writing and speaking full time. The best part, he says, has been connecting with so many people on this terrific adventure as well. He's the author of a number of New York Times bestsellers like Undistracted, as well as Love Does, Everybody Always, and Dream Big. As we said, he's the honorary consul to the Republic of Uganda. He's an attorney and the founder of Love Does, which is a nonprofit human rights organization operating in India, Uganda, Nepal, Somalia, and Afghanistan, USA, Congo, and Dominican Republic. It's all over the place. He loves balloons. He loves balloons and cake pops and helping people pursue their big dreams. So you can typically find Bob writing and taking calls from his 
his boat, welcoming people to his Southern California retreat center, which is called The Oaks. And maybe you might have seen him speaking at an event that you've gone to. So even in the interview that we have, he actually takes one of the calls because in the back of all his books, he leaves his actual phone number and you can call him anytime. So please enjoy this diverse, inspiring, fun conversation with Bob Goff. Hey, Bob Goff, welcome to Word Made Digital. Yeah, great to be with you. I, uh, I'm so glad to sneak into your calendar for a few minutes because you are unlike most other people. <laughs> and yes. uh, I just want to get in your brain a little bit and offer that to the people listening here. So, um, you know, maybe maybe we can just I don't know. I don't know exactly where to start, but I would love to to maybe first start. You call yourself sometimes the recovering lawyer. What are you trying to recover from? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It wasn't recovering from the practice of law. It's that sometimes uh, people will identify uh, themselves by their career or by mm-hmm. a set of skills. You have people that are out on stages and they'll self-identify by what they do. Um, but probably like you and uh, your friends, I don't um, I'd self-identify by a, a piece of paper that has some uh, initials on it or something, but just identify him. Sweet Maria's husband and Lindsay Richard Adams' dad. Uh, they're all married. So I'm their dad too. And I'm a grandpa to a bunch of grandkids. And so that's how I self-identify. And so uh, this idea is some people used to know me in a former life as a lawyer, Mm. uh, but this whole idea for uh, faith doesn't guide everybody's steps, but it does mine. And that idea of being a new creation um, is big deal. So old Bob's on the bus and new Bob is the one you're talking to and old Bob includes who I was yesterday. So who I was as a lawyer, who I, what capabilities I have or don't have, it's almost irrelevant. It's like, who am I now? And more importantly, who am I becoming? Who are you becoming? And those listening, like, who's it that you're turning into? And I hope we would kind of hang on target on turning into love. And I know that sounds very ethereal, but uh, that if you could actually aim for love, making that your goal, I think whether faith guides your steps or not, it's a worthy target. Yeah, I love that. And I especially love it because I think in a time where it's not hard for anyone, let alone someone who's been around a little longer in the world to become bitter, angry, closed off, less loving, you know? So how do you, uh, how do you not let that thing win that, that for so many people, it feels like that's the natural trajectory, but you swim the other way in the stream. How do you, how do you stay soft? I'd love to live into that as best I can, uh, but that's definitely the aim. I'm aspiring towards that, uh, but I wouldn't say that I've arrived. But one of the changes among many is moving from trying to be right to trying to be Jesus. Like, or you Mm. could, if faith again isn't a big deal for you, then to say, trying to turn into love. Um, So uh, as a lawyer, I was right for a living. Like that's what I got paid. Even if I was wrong, I was paid to be right. So um, uh, some of the arguments that people are engaging in on a host of really important issues, um, there's somebody who feels very right about it. and But it can come across as uh, mean. And I think that 
people who are right and have really big opinions about things and uh, really steadfast beliefs on important topics. Um, they don't mean to be mean. They just, they're just resolute. And so you come across that. So, but I think you can be resolute and kind at the same time. I think mm -hmm. that you can find, have deeply held positions and beliefs. I know I do. Um, I just have a thought bubble, like kind of in a cartoon that has all kinds of ideas and opinions and thoughts. And uh, I, my mind is filling that thought bubble. I just don't let a lot of things out of it. <laughs> so, so I can have all kinds of things. And sometimes people have a little hole, bigger hole in their thought bubble and they have some more things get out, which is fine. Uh, but it will be known for those opinions, but will be remembered for our love. And mm -hmm. so I'm just at 64. I'm thinking like, what do I want to be remembered for? Um, and it would be kindness. It would be, um, being generous in spirit and in time. And I put my cell phone number in the back of 3 million books, um, uh, because I just put a high value on availability. Some people they'll write a country Western song about a big old dog or a big old car or whatever. And then they'll just stop being available when people like it, like it, um, mm -hmm. or they get a bit part in a movie or they, I uh, have whatever a senior pastor is. I don't know why <laughs> there's no senior anything in the Bible and no lead anything in the Bible either. And I'm not critical of that. I just know I want to be known for availability. And mm -hmm. that's why we're talking. Um, what if we, uh, and everybody can pick something else that they want to be known for, but just pick that. And I would, what are they saying? Carpentry, measure it twice and cut it once. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just remeasure what you want to be known for huh. uh, before you cut that deal with earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I I, yeah, I love that. I posted on uh, my Instagram last night, just, Hey, I'm going to talk to Bob tomorrow. Does anybody have something I should ask him? And one of the questions that I got back was what's one of like the funny, because you leave your phone number in the back of the book. I'm sure you've had some very boring and mundane and some very, maybe not so fun, but do you have, like a fun person who called you do you have a story you could share of uh oh, what one of your so fun many. phone calls was yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember early on there was a woman that called uh and she said i just finished your book and it's going to change the rest of my life and i'm like oh i'm so honored that you flipped through the pages and uh i said and by the way uh who gave it to you and she said i got it as a birthday present i'm like happy birthday how old are you she said i'm 101 <laughs> No way. <laughs> so I don't know if this uh, book is going to change the next two days of her life, but um, <laughs> I just to celebrate with people, there'll be other people that will be having kind of end of life conversations. They'll be looking for mm. people. And it's not about a book. I think if you want a great book, read some Robert Service poetry. Yeah, he just does such a great Tales from the Yukon. Um, but, but what I think, uh, is important is that each in our own way, we make ourselves available. We make available what we can. Mm. Uh, and I like spending time with words. Um, but I also like doing stuff too. I don't want to just write about other people's experiences. I want to go out and, uh, fail and try and attempt and all that. And so for a, a starting point, what I did is I just picked, um, 
uh, Matthew 25. It's like, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was kind of creepy and you invited me in. And I've gotten quite a few of those calls. There was a woman that called me uh, and said, the devil's in my bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, I, I was thinking immediately and I kept it in my thought bubble. I'm like, I have teenage boys. I know exactly how you feel. Um, uh, but I, I asked her, who's your best friend? And she said, there was a woman named Mary. I said, give Mary a call, have her come over. You don't want to face this alone. And let me know how it turns out. And about an hour and a half later, I got a call from her and she said, devil's gone. I'm like, that's terrific. So we don't need to put it all together. What does this mean? And what are the implications? And was he actually there or was it, uh, you know, but to just be available. And I think there's a tendency for people, I think it might be in our DNA to try to create a box for everything, create a mm -hmm. shelf to say, this matches my experience or this doesn't match my experience. So if it's validated by something I experienced, then you would be tempted to put it in. Uh, that might be real. And if it was outside of your experience, then you would say, well, I don't think that's true. Or I wonder if that's true or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not trying to put everything in a box. I think that's just beautiful when you meet people. Um, if I'll get a call at two in the morning from somebody, they're either really uh, four sheets of the wind um, or they're really desperate. And so yeah. I'll try to find out which of the two it is. And if it's someone that's really desperate, then I'll just ask them, are you in a safe place? Are you with safe people? Do you have, is there any self-harm? Can we like patch mm -hmm. in 911 so you actually get someone qualified? Because all you got right now is Bob. Uh, in which <laughs> right. you might yeah. need someone that actually knows how to deal with trauma and all these uh, really important things that might be going on. And if they won't, if they push back from that, I'll ask them uh, if they'll give me a call tomorrow morning at 1045. Because uh, most people just need some sleep and something to look forward to. And yeah. so I've got a little alarm set on my phone at 1030 and I just clear the decks so mm -hmm. that if somebody needed to make one of those 1045 calls that I would be available to them. I would think having a, um, a clear idea of what you're doing and then a clear strategy about what I'm going to do to get to what I'm doing. Um, so mine is 1045. What's the reason? I think people need sleep and something to look forward to. Um, uh, I think it's more important that they have qualified people in their life, but you need yeah. to be safe for them to have the conversation about somebody qualified. Yeah. Um, and so I think if we just have a right view of ourselves and that we're just in the Benedictine tradition, uh, there's a job, it's called a porter. And I always thought a porter was like a Sherpa that carries your latte machine up Everest. Uh, but a porter for the Benedictine, tell me if this sounds like you, um, they uh, go to the gate each morning and greet people that are passing by and say, how can I help you on your way? Wouldn't that oh, be great? Isn't so that beautiful? update your resume, Joanna. Just be a porter. <laughs> say, I just, uh, and you don't have to go with everybody who stops by the gate, but mm -hmm. you can say, is there something I have that can help you on your way? Yeah. Um, and I think beautiful things will happen. So we teach in San Quentin. I've got a class there and I think we're there next week. Yeah. Um, and so it's the same guys that have been there 10 years ago. They never graduate. <laughs> Most of them are in it's for a Groundhog couple, Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Consecutive life terms. Uh, yeah, well, but we've gotten to be really good friends. And I don't go there to teach, I go there to learn. And I think that's the whole idea 
of hungry, thirsty, sick, strange, naked people and people in jail is that we would learn not so we would do a solid for Jesus, like mm, that we yeah. would go palms up, ears open saying, uh, let me know how to interact with how complex life can be a little better. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Bob Goff. I want to tell you about a new podcast, if you like podcasts, by the Canadian Bible Society, because the Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or even hard to believe. But Scripture Untangled, which is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you're checking out this one or go to scriptureuntangled.ca for more info. The link will be down in the show notes. Hmm. There's this thing you just recently said on social media, which I love, but it's a challenge for us all. The hidden cost of pride is isolation. And so you, Bob, you're trying to practice humility and, and it connects you to other people. Uh, is Is, you know, people are just so lonely. But I think, don't you think, I mean, my observation is it's because most people are just thinking about themselves all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's this uh, word that isn't used as often, but hubris. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Hubris would be not that you're trying to put somebody down, but you just, uh, that you are so self-assured and you actually enjoy putting people, taking them down a notch or two. Uh, that you have an inflated view of your worth. And uh, hubris uh, is this uh, thing that can kind of get in our way. And so the antidote to hubris is just to be kind and be available. And um, what we've done is we've had people um, that we disagree with, we uh, automatically can go to words like narcissist. And that wasn't a term that was used very often before, just like the term gaslighting, like that was used like once every hundred thousand days. And now it's used four times a minute. Like uh, it just has become uh, in the air supply. And so uh, I would just say, like, before we get there, I want us to understand like what that means like so when you have somebody that's just like kind of in love with themselves most people don't know that the uh story of narcissists he was uh walking through the woods and uh echo uh, as mythology goes uh actually had loved narcissists uh and so narcissist you know when you're walking somewhere and you feel like somebody's tracking you or like someone's near and a narcissist said who's there and Echo didn't know what to say. So Echo just repeated what Narcissus said, said, who's there? Huh. And then he said something else. And Echo said yeah. that. Well, Narcissus rejected Echo uh, and it was Nemesis. Uh, remember, we think of a Nemesis as somebody that's out to get you. Nemesis is actually the justice kind of component. And Nemesis talks Narcissus into looking in the pond, seeing his own reflection and falling in love with it. And he dies by the pond. It's actually like... If we could be a less quick to say, I'm labeling you, my box for you is this, and understand a little bit more of the characters and the the some of the origins of these mm. things. Uh, uh, you've heard the idiom like cut to the chase, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, like kind of get there. Uh, you know where that came from? It was the silent movies. 
Um, and it, uh, nobody knew because nobody was talking. Nobody knew what the plot of the movie was. So they'd always have a chase scene. Oh, and so okay. cut to the chase. <laughs> Yeah. This idiom means like get to the point, right? Yeah. And think about it in your faith, in your relationships, get to the part where something happens. So what I don't want that the part where something happens isn't when you call somebody a name. It's when you actually do something about mm -hmm. it. And so what I want to do is be among people that are just saying, why don't make love your next step? To just say, that's what a lawyer like me tried to set up Jesus. And he said, love God and love people. That's it right there. You do those things. That's a full-time job. It'll take you more than your lifetime to accomplish. So I think yeah. what I'm trying to do is in the midst of a lot of noise in the world, can we get back to loving God if God, if you follow his steps, loving people well, and then uh, keep maybe a couple of your thoughts, maybe not all of them. There might be some important things you need to get said, um, but to just be mindful uh, when you let that out of the thought bubble, my first thought isn't going to be to call somebody a name. What I'm going to try to do is understand, like, what are the echoes in my life? Uh, who is my nemesis? Not somebody who's against me, but some justice. And mm. so does that make sense? Yeah. I want to take a little bit, not a scholarly view of these things, but um, it just seems like it's too little to just create a little shelf and put somebody on it and say, good guy, bad guy, crazy evangelical, like whatever it is, yeah, um, sure. or to like buy in to stuff like just, I want to be a, a more thoughtful response. And if mm -hmm. we do that, I believe people generally are kind, uh, but they, we have some layers we need to get to. And I think if we gave more thoughtful mm -hmm. responses, we'd have a more kind response. Well, let's talk about that layers idea, because I I know that you've you've been intentionally gathering smaller groups of people. Obviously, you might speak on larger stages, lots of people, but you have been discovering oh, more this, this power oh, yeah. of you're not doing it. Oh, you're done. No, I'm out. Okay, I'm out. well, then let's the, talk about the a, small groups. Oh, yeah, because it's small not a protest. Gatherings. Yeah. It's just, it ain't for me anymore. Like, yeah. I want to... If somebody give me a dozen people who want to go a mile deep, yeah, I'll do that over a stadium full of people that want to go 45 inches deep. And that isn't a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And mm -hmm. so for different seasons in your life, uh, you have different things. And so I'm just, and even uh, the smaller gatherings, I, my first goal is grandpa. Like mm -hmm. I want to be a grandpa. Uh, and you must be present to win. <laughs> so the assumptions in my life up until now has been that I'm gone and on my way back. And I want to flip the assumption that I'm here and I might sometime be going mm -hmm. somewhere. And so it's been really difficult maybe for you to like carve that new groove in your brain. Like when an opportunity comes up as an Enneagram seven, a flaming seven, I would go like, let's go, of course. But now I'm trying to carve that new groove in my brain to say, my default position is I want to be here. And does that take me away from here? And if it takes me away, I want it to take me to like 12 people around a fire pit having a conversation yeah, like that, that. is uh, shimmers a little bit more. You know, one of the the things that you've impacted in my life the most is this simple phrase. Cause I, it, I try to do it a lot is have more in common with people you love. Um, and so it sounds like you're trying to do that at this stage, uh, leaning into the family grandpa stuff. 
Campbell, you, you can kind of tell a little bit about Thomas Jefferson said, you can tell a lot about a person by what they have in their pocket. Hmm. And he always carried a compass around in his pocket. So I do too. Uh, so to just like, I walk into a room and I try to guess where North is. Hmm. And then I guess where it is. Then I look at my compass and I'm always a couple degrees off, uh, <laughs> which is a really... No, no, no. That's like a, such clarifying. It's easy mm. to get just a couple degrees off. Sometimes I'm way off and right. that is my life, right? That's Romans seven. If faith is a big deal for you, Paul said, like, I keep doing what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do. Um, but when even you and I are talking, I look in the background and I see some things on the shelf and I see a little container and a bush and a, this and that. <laughs> you look here and you see like some surfboards. And this is what we're always doing with each other. We're trying to understand the context yeah. uh, within which you speak. And so you can understand that a little bit better if you're in a little smaller group. Because right. in a big group, you can't understand context other than we're all together, uh, which is great. That's uh, that's what heaven's going to be like. So I hear well, uh, there'll be a big group of people, but the eyes won't be at, on whoever's up on the stage. Uh, they'll be oriented upward. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you you have this kind of capacity to live. Uh, maybe like leaning into fear where I think a lot of people I'm afraid of something. I'm going to run away. Um, but you have this ability to to say like, I don't know, maybe you're afraid sometimes too, like all normal people, but you're like, okay, let's try and like lean in a little bit anyways. How do you, how could you help other people kind of say like, when is it like the good fear? Like don't touch the hot stove. And when is the, when is it the fear? Like uh, this is deceiving you, like push past it, go do the thing that you're scared of. Yeah, no litmus test, but I would say it's the difference between seeing will something work and will something last? Mm. Um, so there's always the first, whatever it is. Tell me about your first car. Go ahead. 1989 Honda Civic hatchback, power, sun, power roof, uh, it was yep. a, a five speed manual. It was awesome. What color? Red, red Honda. It was her name was La Fonda, the Honda. Obviously, it goes without saying. <laughs> but now, if I asked you to tell me what your fourth car was, right? Who knows? Maybe you're still driving La Fonda. No, I don't know what it was. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? So we always remember our first, yeah. whatever, first date, first day yeah. in school, first car, first whatever. And so I can uh, empathize with the guy that wrote, uh, Revelation, he said, my problem is you forgot your first love. Mm. So part of all of this is kind of returning to like what your first love was. What's that first thing that uh, mattered to you the most? Why are you doing what you're doing? And so for me, um, that is what overcomes fear is a remembering why you're doing this. So we've got schools in Mogadishu, Somalia, and I've been there quite a few times, but it always started with a first time. And I knew a total of nobody mm. when I got off the plane, but then I figured I'd meet a couple people and I did. And there's a couple people I'd actually like to unmeet. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yikes i remember flooding to mind as a couple people you do not want to meet uh yeah. but uh, uh we've got a school in afghanistan and i remember being there and just thinking like yikes this is like long way from home but i would say um that stuff overseas sounds like you know the big courageous thing 
But you're only going to find two things in the scriptures about going across an ocean. Paul got shipwrecked and Jonah got eaten. <laughs> so, uh, but you're going to find a ton of stuff about going across the street. Hmm. So I've met a whole bunch of people who want to talk about going to the ends of the earth, but they couldn't name all the people that live at the end of their street. Um, and so what I want to do is that courageous work uh, where you can, where the opportunities present itself. And when you're feeling a little bit afraid, like that maybe you're afraid of rejection, maybe you're be afraid of being misunderstood, maybe you're concerned about a physical harm, to figure out what's my relationship with ambiguity. And so I have a great relationship. Ambiguity and I go everywhere together. I should get a center seat on every Southwest flight I take uh, for ambiguity to sit because I'm I'm just so okay with that because yeah. it actually kind of invites some really neat, unlikely things to happen. Other people uh, are not as keen on ambiguity. They feel like, and it's been learned, it's because they it got ambiguous right before it got weird or got dangerous or got whatever. And so I would just say, what is that connected to? If you have a fear, it's probably connected to your relationship with ambiguity and to say, so what is that connected to? What happened along the way? Uh, and it's not a list of grievances with ambiguity, but to just say, yeah, when it was ambiguous as a child, uh, I didn't understand whether my parents loved me or not. And so ambiguity equals rejection. Go like, wow, that's a great understanding. The context with which like somebody presents a new idea, your first thought is, will I be rejected? Or it could be danger, danger close. Um, so I have uh, for people listening to, I would just say, what is that connected to? To say, yeah. what's the return address? It is, it's easy to say, I'm just afraid, but I'd want to go a little bit deeper to just say, like, what is that connected to? Are you afraid you're going to, lose money or you're going to lose approval or you're going to lose applause or you're going to lose whatever, but just see, and it can be a very real thing to you, even though it doesn't seem like a very big thing to somebody else. Um, so get comfortable with your feelings are yours. Uh, they're not other people's. It's not a consensus of what everybody else thinks you ought to be freaked out about. Um, but I'd also go get some people uh, I'm not a golfer, but if I wanted to hit the ball further, I'd go to the driving range and find somebody that hits the ball pretty far yeah. and somebody could help me hit it straighter further. I'd probably sign up with them. So if that's a counselor for some people, pastors are safe places for other people, they're not. So to just say, like, find somebody you consider safe and knowledgeable and then to just say, OK, how do I hit it further straighter? Well, as we're talking to Bob Goff about ways to make impact, how to connect with people, here's what you need to know. Right now, the world is facing an unprecedented global food crisis. The numbers are really staggering. 828 million people, which is nearly 10% of the world's population, have been affected by hunger this past year. And just in context, that's 46 million more than the year before. So it can be really hard to continuously continue hear about these kinds of needs, but here is the good news. Compassion's local church partners are on the front lines and they are responding. And there's a simple and tangible way that we can partner to answer hunger 
with hope. This year's Gifts of Compassion gift guide includes gifts specifically targeted at meeting the critical needs brought on by this huge food crisis. Imagine if you didn't know where your next meal was or how you were going to feed your children tomorrow. You can give at compassion.ca slash shop, compassion.ca slash shop. I'm going to give, I want to give gifts of compassion this year. I hope that you will join me. Link is in the show notes. And it sounds like for you too, you're, you're clear on, uh, whose voices you're going to listen to, because I'm sure everyone, everyone has lots of voices of opinion, but there's probably only a few in your world that matter or that you want to like pay more attention to when you have a next crazy dream and idea. Check this out. I'm not going to say their name, but they're just calling from Oklahoma. Hello, it's Bob here. Hi. Hey, listen. I'm doing great. Can I'm just finishing up with a friend. Can you call back in about 10 minutes? Would that be okay? Okay. Talk to you then. So what if the, like, in, without the context of knowing that my phone number's in the back of 3 million books, then it would be rude. Like, why are you taking a call in the middle of this podcast? But if you understand the context within which I said a high value is to be available, mm-hmm. somebody called from Oklahoma and I said, call me back in 10. Yeah. But I think if we could do that gift for people to give people the context, it's going to take a little vulnerability to just say, this is why I do what I do. And then to just, once you do that, you're just not looking for agreement from everybody. You're just like, take your high value. I'm so glad we have some common friends who have like a strong voice of justice in the world. I'm just so grateful for that. We have other friends who are just like, really just uh, uh, probably a little bit more circumspect. And and I just have this uh, belief that all together, we make one really well-adjusted person. <laughs> it's going to take all of us. <laughs> Every lawyer has a lawyer or a family has a lawyer and a nutty uncle. So sign me up for those two. And then a thought leader like yourself. Um, you have other people really enthusiastic and others kind of um, a little bit more to themselves. That would be my wife. Um, and then instead of trying to make us like each other, that that idea, and it's John 17, that our hearts could beat together. Um, I've got uh, a place where we bring people to get a little bit better. And, uh, and so we do some equine therapy there and I have a ton of horses. And if you turn all the horses, I'm learning so much about horses. I didn't know if you turn them all loose in a pasture together, it won't be long before all their hearts start sinking up. They all start beating together. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. So they would all go in with their hearts beating differently, but because they're animals of prey, they all start beating together. And if one freaks out, then everybody's aware, like what's going on. So I just want to make a pitch for if we could have, know why we're doing what we're doing. If our hearts could be one and oneness doesn't mean sameness. It means to say, you do your game with humility and conviction, Joanna, uh, we'll have our other friends do theirs. I'll play my little piece. It's a symphony, not a bunch of soloists. Uh, and then we're not going to uh, point bony fingers at each other just because we have a different part to play in there. I'd keep that in the thought bubble. You might think, I'll be like, I wonder why they're doing that. And just assume, I bet the answer is that God's got them on a different adventure than I'm on right now. Wouldn't that make sense? Love it. Bob. Yeah, I promise you this. On Saturday, there's going to be a farmer that's going to be praying for rain. 
and there's going to be a bride that's going to be praying for sunshine. <laughs> and just because <laughs> just because yeah. it rains on her big D, big day, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love her. Right. It just means he's doing something different in somebody else's life mm-hmm. than he happens to be doing in hers right now. And at the end of the day, she's going to get married and he's going to get his crops. And so it's hard for me sometimes if we have the patience to know that ultimately everybody's going to get what they need even though they aren't getting what they want right now. And mm-hmm. that would be that longer arc that we're looking at. And I think if we could be voices uh, first to ourselves and then to people around us to just say, hey, just chill out, which is hard for me. I make coffee nervous. I'm so like, amped. <laughs> and I just to say, you know, I just so confident that God is going to use you, Joanna, and all the people listening in their own mm-hmm. way. And then If there's somebody that pops to mind that feels like a little bit of an annoyance, then maybe we could give them a little bit of less airtime in our lives, just air gap it a little bit and to just say, hey, listen, God's up to something different right now, but I'm not going to get me off message. I'm going to not get to get them off message. What I'm going to do is just continue to say true things in my voice, not in somebody else's. So mine will be hopefully a voice of calmness and kindness uh, rather than up in everybody's grill. And I'm super grateful for people that have a different approach. Bob, I love it. Thank you so much for your your life that you you show it, not just talk about it. I mean, that's the whole point of Love Does. And is there somewhere on the internet, I know as we're running out of time here, is there somewhere on the internet you want to send people to? You've got all kinds of initiatives, all kinds of books and resources and gatherings. Is there something on your mind today you want to point to pe- point people at? Yes, I definitely want them to look up Danielle Strickland. Um, <laughs> all right. She's, she up. was on the podcast not too long ago. So I that's know. Great. Find that girl. She's making moves. Find like yeah. uh, the people that are... Uh, out there doing just courageous, mm. important work. Um, yeah, I want people to do that. Uh, I'm just like the old guy, <laughs> I'm the old guy answering phone calls. Um, and I'm just super okay with that because I don't think I want to have a big organization mm. uh, because big organizations need to be organized. And I don't want to spend the rest of my day organizing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I think it's whenever you you speak, it's a like a permission for all of us to be ourselves. If you're an organizer, go be an organizer. Yes. If you're a person who doesn't want to be organized, that there's like a space and place for who you are and how you're built. Yes, beautiful. Hey, uh, when I, uh, Christmas will be coming up here and not too long. And uh, when you wrap presents, do you crease all the edges? Do you make it like, how do you wrap a present? No, I'm the sort of Enneagram 780HD type myself. So <laughs> just put a piece of new per- newspaper around it, couple circles of tape. And yeah. you're, you're hoping so- you still have any wrapping paper left from last yeah. year. <laughs> so, but if you think of even a silly analogy like yeah. that, that, everybody wraps the present a little differently. Like there's some people that take a lot of care to sweet Marie is one of them. Um, and then other people just get a wrap, but that it isn't about the wrapping. It isn't about how you do what you do. It's like, it's this thoughtfulness of this gift. It's a, um, this is from me to you. This is represents something important. We have at our house, we call it flat Christmas. Uh, and I only want flat stuff. So a photograph, a poem, a story, mm-hmm. uh, 
Uh, you can give me the Beatles white album if you want, but I'd rather have a photograph or a poem or a story. I love that. So something flat. So, so that whole idea of you're clear about what you want, why you want it, then everybody knows they're like, thank goodness, I'm the easiest guy to shop for because you can't shop for it. <laughs> <laughs> you could write me a poem called The, and it could just have the word The. I'd love it. I'd frame it. I just go like, that is one short poem right there. I love it. (laughs) Well, Bob, thank you. Thank you so much for a bit of time. I'll let you uh, get back to all those phone calls you keep getting. And uh, and thanks a million. Just know I'm cheering for you. I'm just so grateful that you've got a podcast. You're reaching out to people and touching their lives. I'm really glad there's a lot of people that are waiting for permission Mm. uh, to have their voice heard. And I'm just so glad you and a cadre of other people aren't. You say, I actually have something important to say, and I'm not going to ask for permission, particularly from a dude to like say what I have to say. And I want to encourage that man, just raise your voice. And as you've done, just raise it in kindness with resolve and kindness and conviction, man, those are the voices we need. And the role for the next generation up, which is me, is to get out of your way. <laughs> Just be helpful and get out of the way. <laughs> That's what we do where I am with our nonprofit. We just say, I'm here to be helpful and to get out of your way. We don't think we have to empower women because we think they're already powerful. <laughs> we just so need good. to get out of their way. Awesome. All right, you. Thanks, well, have a day. Great talking to Take you. Take care. Bob Goff, there he was, an amazing, friendly tornado of ideas and thinking and challenges and really just kind of looking at things from a different angle, which I always love when you get to hear from Bob Goff. I hope you enjoyed it because next week we also have someone we want you to lean in. Let's do Caitlin Beatty, who's a New York journalist. And we're going to be talking to her about Christian celebrity, which Bob Goff kind of alluded to actually in today's episode. We're talking about personas, platforms, Forms and profits. So thanks so much to our sponsors who are making all of these podcasts possible this season. Compassion Canada, Lifting Children from Hunger and Poverty in Jesus' Name. The new podcast, Scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society and Serve HQ. Train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy with Serve HQ. Or we'll check you out in our Digital Church Facebook group throughout this week or maybe we'll find you scrolling through things on our YouTube channel with the back catalog of all these tutorials to help equip you in this digital world to communicate the best news in the world. We'll see you next week.